I'm Chris Lindstrom, and this is the Food About Town podcast. Before I talk about this week's podcast, I'd like to announce that the Food About Town YouTube channel is now live. The first video I put up was a work I did with the people from Tandoor of India. We did a Food Network-like segment where we went to the kitchen, found out how a couple dishes were made. I got to help out with seasonings and everything else. I mean, it was, it was a blast. And I really hope you check it out and enjoy. In future weeks, I'm going to have clips from podcasts showing, showing some video that I took during those. So keep an eye out on the YouTube channel. And I hope to do a lot more cool video things in the future. In episode 51 of the Food About Town podcast, I talked with Will Cleveland from the Democrat and Chronicle. Will's a writer for the DNC, and he first caught my eye with his writing on beer, which he's done for the last year and a half or so, talking about the local beer scene. Will and I met for the first time at the Rochester Real Beer Week Expo, and I'm glad we got a chance to catch up and learn more about one another. We talked about the local beer scene. We did go over a bunch from the Expo. It was a great event, and if you have a chance to go next year, I highly recommend it. Probably want to get the VIP package so you get more time, but we talk more about that during the podcast. So we talk more about the local beer scene, uh, some local breweries, and some some of the up-and-coming stars of the brewing, including uh, a little bit about Prison City Brewing, which I'm really excited to go check out. Thanks for listening, and if this episode struck your fancy, please subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. Please leave a review. It would be great if you did. And if you enjoyed this episode specifically, please share it out on social media so other people can check it out as well. Thanks. Scorching Sunday here in Rochester, and I am joined by, I, I'm trying to think of an adjective to describe you. I was going to say illustrious, but I don't know you well enough to say illustrious. I mean, that's, that's way too nice for, for someone like me. I don't deserve that. <laughs> just, just say large. Yeah, sure. I, I'll, I, can, I can live with that. Yeah. So I'm here with Will Cleveland from the Democrat and Chronicle, and I think it's now the DNC, correct? You know, we're still Democrat and Chronicle in print, uh, but we the the rebranding for the USA Today network is DNC Digital. Um, that's what the big new sign says at the corner of Maine and Clinton there. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's definitely... We're, we're still the Democrat and Chronicle. Yeah, still Democrat yeah. and Chronicle, but the new sign and yeah, big I mean, letters. It's, it's it's nothing that's changed. It's just basically the only thing that's changed is the location yeah. and then the, the new sign they put out there. How's the new location so far? I went in once. It's a beautiful building. It's, it is a beautiful building. Um, the, th- the thing that I enjoy most about it is that we have a lot of natural light in there. Um, the old building was just so gargantuan and huge that... You know, you just kind of got lost in the darkness almost, and yeah. there's there's so many windows. You know, I'm, my back kind of faces all the windows where I'm where I'm set up, but you know, I can still flip around and 
and get some light. So it's cool. I like that immensely. And location's pretty nice. I kind of miss our old location a little bit because we were right next door to the courthouse and oh, okay. clerks and all that stuff, which helps for my other part of my job. But, yeah, you know, I still, uh, no complaints. So Will is a writer at the DNC. And the reason we're talking to him today is because he writes the DNC's beer column as well. I do. Does that have a name? Um, they called it Beer Talk without actually, like, consulting me so that's kind of stuck like the first one i printed like a year and a half ago yeah they called it beer talk so that's kind of what's become the name it's like eh, whatever it's a name so it's only been a year and a half uh yeah i picked up the coverage um in february no march march 2015 okay yeah but i mean i've i've been at the paper for eight years so I okay mean, it's not like almost eight years it'll be eight years in in august but so yeah, that's when they when they picked up the beer coverage. I've been asking them to do it for a long, long time, and they finally said, "Hey, go write us three columns, and if we like you, we'll give you a shot." <laughs> if we like you after six years, yeah. now, I mean, now, but it was so uh, so far outside of what I've done there. Like I worked in sports for five years. Uh, recently, I picked up all of our nightside breaking news coverage, so I sit in front of the police scanner Tuesday through Saturday nights. Oh, and that sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah that's probably ninety eight percent of my job. Okay, and then. You know, on the quiet nights, I can, you know, put up a beer blog or get ahead on beer interviews and stuff like that. Right. No, that, that's interesting because that's, I mean, that's one, it's an active, inactive thing. Yes. Because when it's active, it is the most active. <laughs> there's, 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 there really doesn't seem to be any in between. Yeah. Uh, I have nights where I'm just absolutely crazy. You know, you're, you're going from, you know, one shooting to another, possibly, which is, you know, just tragic. And here I am laughing about it. No, I, I understand. Uh, I mean, you, and it's, then, you know, other nights, it's, you know, like this this past week was was generally actually pretty quiet. I mean, there were some really serious car crashes in and around Rochester, but uh, generally it was a it was a quiet week week. So I was able to kind of plan ahead and figure out what I'm going to do for July for beer coverage. So you know, you you, you figure out a balance and how to yeah. make things work. So before we dive, I got a lot of different stuff I want to get into, cool. and either the beer community um, and uh, the event where we actually ended up meeting. Cool, um, but. Um, Let's go into a little background. So, obviously, you're writing about beer. Yes. How did you? I mean, how did you get into it this deep? I mean, there's a lot of people that enjoy beer. Yeah. Um, so when I was 18, even though I don't condone underage drinking, certainly not. Um, I, I I I went to undergrad at the University of Montana in Missoula, Montana. Okay. Um, so my best friend lived across the street from this brewery called Kettle House, and I mean, the guy who's become my best friend. We weren't really best friends at that point, but and so we would get growler fills of all these weird beers they had there they had uh uh two hemp beers they made with hemp one was called old bong water the other one was fresh bong water um <laughs> one was a porter one was a porter and one was a pale ale yeah. and then um the beer that really made me fall in love with beer was this uh, scotch ale they made called cold smoke scotch ale and so it was just you know you're out in this other ha- side of the world basically and i'm getting exposed to all these new things and it just kind of opened my brain to you know what what beer could be you know so that kind of and it plus it was super cheap you'd get a growler fill for it was five bucks for the you know this is 2002 2003 so yeah. you'd get a growler fill uh for you know 64 ounce growler for five bucks wow and then the the expensive ones with the higher alcohol ones were 650 wow it was it was just ridiculous they're really pricing themselves out of the market i know that way, i yeah. know yeah <laughs> and so we would uh you know it being montana i had a really bad fake ID, and yeah, um, I might have made it myself. But I uh, <laughs> said I was from Tallahassee, Florida. Obviously, and, yeah. I mean, come on, you know, who, who from Tallahassee, Florida doesn't end up in Missoula, Montana? But yeah, it's, then it's again, the then again, who, who from Rondequoit, New York, ends up in Missoula, Montana? <laughs> so you're from here originally? I am. I'm from West Rondequoit. Just, I mean, completely off topic. 
how, how in the hell do you end up going to Montana instead of somewhere else? Uh, so I, I looked at, I always knew I wanted to do journalism, you know, starting my freshman year in high school because my okay. dad read news, two or three newspapers every day. Um, and I saw how cool and informed he was, so it just kind of rubbed off on me. So I joined my high school paper um, right, right, like the first week of high school. And so the summer before my senior year of high school, my mom, who uh, used to work for Kodak, um, she works in document imaging, health imaging, selling like x-ray equipment and service contracts to mm-hmm. hospitals. So her part of the country was the western part of the country. So the summer before my senior year, she, she, we decided, hey, let's go out to Montana because she wanted to kind of meet some of the people that she'd been talking to the phone on the phone with for, you know, 10, 15 years. And um, at that point, I'm like, well, I didn't really know where I wanted to go to school. I kind of thought maybe, you know, I'll go to Newhouse at Syracuse and, you know, be paying off student loans, which I still am for, you know, the next 40 years if I go there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, great school, obviously. Of and, course, you, I mean, huge, yeah, notable school yeah. for that. Uh, but I, I visited uh, Missoula, the University of Montana, and saw they had a really good journalism program, and um, that kind of made made up my mind after that. That was what I wanted to do. Uh, I applied to three schools in high school and got in all three, and it's just like, okay, where do I really want to go? You know, where do I see myself? And you know, I was terribly homesick, but I, I soldiered through it and got out of there in three years, and it was, you know, it was life changing because it was yeah. just. Uh, you know, I mean, introduced me to good beer and uh, great friends, and I got a really good education. So, worked out really well. So, did you have a did you have a bad beer phase as well? I mean, there's everyone kind of has. I don't know if I had that bad beer phase just because I kind of jumped right in, just because it was the thing that was most readily available. Uh, you know, everyone's everyone's. You know, the 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 Jenny or the 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 Bat Blue or sure. whatever. Uh, but you know, I, I drank a lot of really good stuff out in out in Montana, and you know the Deschutes Mirror Pond Pale Ale and stuff like that. So just, I mean, the first week I was in Montana, my journals professors took us out to the bar and bought us pictures of uh, Deschutes Mirror Pond Pale Ale, and you know the old Union Club. That place was amazing. But <laughs> so just just kind of became a, a passion at that point, and really really propelled me at that point, and kind of grew in love with it more more so when I moved to Maine for grad school. Oh, so you went to Maine after? Yeah, I went to the University of Maine for grad school. Okay. And I had a really nerdy buddy there who was, uh, introduced me to like Dogfish Head and and stuff like that, you know, and then we started drinking, you know, Allagash White by the gallons, and so it was just, it was just really, I've been surrounded by really, really knowledgeable people, and then uh, through my partnership, or not partnership, through my membership with Uniha, you know, the Upstate New York Homebirds Association, Mm -hmm. I've been a member of that group for uh six or seven years now okay and so that kind of just when you're surrounded by that much nerdery if that's not even a word but no it's definitely um, i mean i yeah. i appreciate that word because it's I, I i i find that to be the case of most people i end up talking to so regardless of what the topic is whether it's beer whether it's uh spirits or cocktails or food those are the people i want to talk to i want to talk about the people who are obsessed because mm-hmm. that's how you learn the most is talking to those people. Um, and I actually want to take a step back because you mentioned, and I want to ask a question from somebody who probably knows better than I do, Allagash White. Mm-hmm. I can only taste chapstick when I eat when I drink that beer. You were about to say when I eat that beer. Yeah, I was yeah. because it tastes yeah. like chapstick. I've never never uh, experienced that. There's, there's some people that just have a real big problem with that Belgian yeast characteristic. I mean, um, I definitely do in general. I just don't yeah. like Belgian yeast that much. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's if it's kind of 
um, you know, like too clovey or too estery, you know, like kind of like those banana notes. Yeah, yeah. Or, or something like that. that. I mean, I know people that just are just completely turned off to that, that whole that whole heritage of brewing just because that yeast characteristic bugs them so much. Yeah, it's that. And then it's specifically like when I see like wheat beers or saisons and I'll get that. It's a weird, it's like medicated Blistex taste hmm. that I get when I drink it. And next time you have something like that, I wonder if you'll pick it up because it's it's so distinct when I drink it. Yeah. That it's I can't get over it. I'm not sure why. I mean, you know, it and it's it's I guess why it was the first time I tasted mm-hmm. it because it was one of the first ones I tried of that style. And because I'm relatively new into the whole, you know, craft beer scene mm-hmm. and everything else, that I come at it from a either food notes perspective. Yeah. Instead of you know, I like I started drinking when I was that's thirty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I started drinking when I was thirty, so it was yeah. completely all new to me. Right. Um, I mean, there's there's still that that whole vernacular, and you know, there's you're definitely influenced by your background. And oh, for sure, for, no question. So I'm gonna I'm gonna track down some Allagash White and uh, and test test it out for science. <laughs> for science. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all research. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, something could be a future column. Yeah. Or a future beer blog or whatever chapstick question 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 yeah (laughs) i mean that's seo right there people are going to click on that no i mean who wouldn't everybody loves chapstick um (laughs) so let's talk about uh where we ended up meeting in person um the real beer week expo yes so i want to talk about the whole beer week yes but let's talk about the expo first that's kind of the centerpiece it's the the it's the flagship event for sure yeah. Um, and this year it ended up being at Blue Cross Arena. It did. Due yeah. to threatening weather. That never materialized. That never materialized. But still, I mean, at least we were inside with, you know, ample bathrooms and yeah. air conditioning. So it could have been, could have been much worse. It, it was the right move. Yeah. For I mean, sure. I know some people were irked, but I'm like, I don't know. It's, you the, can't. The, the foresight to do something like that, I, th- I thought the organizers did a great job, and especially yeah. announcing it 48 hours beforehand. 100%. Yeah. And yeah. I think. You have so many people. You have so many vendors. Mm-hmm. You can't risk health. You can't risk safety. Right. And also, you want people to have a good time. That's your best chance of having a good sure. time. Yeah. No, I don't. Uh, I'm not angry that they did that. I think. I think Joe and his, his team really made the right choice there. A hundred percent. This is my first time going to the nice. going to the expo, and I mean, I found it to be delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, it did help that I was there at or slightly before the VIP time. For sure. Um. I might have done the same. <laughs> and it, it was it was great because it, there were limited people around. Yep. And you could go around and taste whatever you wanted, essentially, yeah. with limited weights. Right. Well, I had, like, there was, like, five or six beers that I was, that I made sure I got before the doors opened just because I was, you know, when I, when I saw the list, I was, like, kind of look at these few. I'm like, okay, I've never had that, and that sounds incredible. Or, And so I made sure that I, I made, I figured out where those booths were, so I was able to... Uh, to sample. Yeah. Because, I mean, really the word, I've been amazed at the beer community, how much how much intimate knowledge there is of breweries all around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even even moderate beer nerds are aware of breweries really everywhere at this point. At least some. I mean, others are very Absolutely. deep. Absolutely. But. Yeah. No, there's a, there's a lot of passion and knowledge that's, that's driving the scene. You know, people are, I mean, especially... You know, people that I'm friends with are really trying to keep up on. Okay, here's this new brewery that's opening in Richmond, Virginia, in a few weeks, and I've heard great things about them. Or, I mean, it's just, it's it's nuts to 
how people track things. I mean, I shouldn't say it's nuts because I do the same thing. And, you know, it's trying to figure out where my trade partners are nearby so they can get me some of this new brewery <laughs> that I've heard good stuff about. Yeah, I mean, so, it's a little yeah. intimidating from a newbie perspective, um, especially when I like drinking good stuff. I like drinking great stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of good local stuff to enjoy, though, too. Yeah. And, and our, our local scene is exploding. Yeah, and I definitely want to get into that we after we do the yeah. Beer Week Expo. For sure. Um, so let's, let's table local for a minute because okay. I think that's a, that's a big topic in of itself. Yep. Um, it's the one that drives me most of the time. I know. It's, yeah. I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. Um, so the Expo, I ended up trying 40 different beers, which I thought was pretty solid considering where I ended up at that's the end imp- of the night. That's impressive. Yeah. I, I think I was in that neighborhood when once I uh, once I kept track. <laughs> I, it kind of it kind of tailed off the end. Luckily, I had someone who uh, who cares about me there to uh, well to babysit me. Really, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I I took notes through the night, and I do notice that they maybe got a hair less detailed as it <laughs> went on. Um, but I was I this mean I was great. <laughs> this was fantastic. This tastes like garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was overall. The the showings there, there was a lot of really impressive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, just, I mean, for me, the, I guess I, I just want to talk about a few of my favorites. Sure. And I don't know if you, I obviously didn't try everything because it was way too much. No, I mean, there was over 100 beers there. And, wow. You know, I mean, 40 plus breweries and each of them had, you know, two or three different beers they brought. And it was just, the, the, the thing that I think is incredible about the expo is just how carefully curated it is. Agreed. You know, because you're, he's, he's, Joe McBain, Tappan Mallet uh, co-owner, and his and his uh, cohorts are really um, working to make sure that every brewer that comes is is you know nationally recognized or world class even, and and they don't let these brewers just come with oh here's our, our everyday pale ale you know they they make sure that they're gonna bring these one off kegs and these these rare beers that we. You know, you might not actually ever see again in Rochester, and certainly a lot of those beers. I mean, I think I, when I counted, there were at least seven or eight breweries that have never actually been available in Rochester. Yeah. So I mean, they they make sure that everything, like I said, is very very carefully curated. Yeah, I mean, and I was I was really impressed. I mean, almost everywhere had something unique, or uniquely, you know, relatively uniquely themed. It wasn't. Yeah. You're right. It wasn't just standard IPA, standard yeah. stout. I mean, a few of the new breweries that we haven't seen brought their brought their beers sure just but i mean there was you know also hey here's an introduction <laughs> to rochester through other for other half brewery or no or for half acre or kent falls or some of these other breweries that we've never <laughs> seen in rochester before right and that's not a bad idea either yeah. i mean it's great to have everything experimental but yeah. you're trying to reach out to i mean there were 2500 people plus there mm-hmm. and you're reaching out to the hardcores you're sure. reaching out to the people that are just looking for a decent afternoon out yep that are trying new things and are yeah, like I said, it can be a little intimidating mm-hmm. when you walk into a place like that and you see, well, let's say you, the first thing you walked up to was Highway Manor. Yeah. I mean, that's that was an intimidating beer if you don't like sours. Uh-huh. I mean, I, that's like... Love those guys. It was one of the most sour beers I've ever tasted. Okay. It was right up on the vinegar level almost okay. of sour. I loved it. I thought it was yeah. really tasty. Yeah. And they, they did their fruits really well. The fruited sours they did were awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a brewery that I've been hearing some 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 serious buzz about locally um from both people who are going to be distributing their beers here and then also people have, who've scored samples of their stuff so that was one of the ones that i i wrote about my preview that i was really excited to uh to partake in finally and uh 
I was able to try four of their beers, and you know they had their Mr. Blueberry and Mr. Strawberry, and both of their fruited sours were just you know you hold them up in the light and you see these beautiful colors that just really look like the actual fruit, you know, because they yeah. used I don't know however many pounds of fruit they probably used per barrel. But I mean, they were just just gorgeous beers. I actually thought they were pretty mild, um, pretty restrained in terms of the um, in terms of the tartness. Really, see, but I mean, there's you know you also figure there's different levels of you know your your threshold might be different than mine. I mean, every everyone's palate's different. Yeah. See, I mean, usually when it comes to sour things, like I don't, I'll drink shrubs, I'll drink whatever. So I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty open to sour flavors and. At least the the one I was uh, uh, taste my place I thought was yeah. pretty assertive. Yeah, that was uh, that was one of the, the was that the golden sour ale? I think it or, was. Or was that the Sejon? I oh I, no, I think yeah. it was the Sejon because yeah. it was trying to be, yeah. you know, a little more specific to where they are. Yeah, was it like all Pennsylvania malts or something? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. No, I, I dug those guys. It was cool to, to uh, really interesting. Yeah, I mean that's that was especially for such a young brewery to. Uh, you know, already be up in our market. Yeah. So, I mean, there were definitely big names there, too, obviously. Um, and big names in the craft business right, more than... Right, for sure. I mean, you know, names. the Lagunitas and the, the Firestone Walkers and right. Bells and Founders. And, right. And I, I yeah. mean, at this point, I mean, it's it's weird because, like, Grimm has become, like, a household have. name to they me have. now. I mean, yeah, and just the... I mean, they were... Um, Joe and his and his wife were... Joe and Laura Grimm were at the the festival at the expo... Uh, would have been 2013, 2014. I think it was like right after they started up, and I got to meet them, and they were both sweethearts. And but yeah, I mean they're they're one of the breweries now that people see every release when it comes up. They they're tracking it, and they know when it's going to be dropped, and they know like remarkable liquids just uh, delivery <laughs> schedule, which is frighteningly scary. Yeah, and I mean I've noticed that recently. Yeah, we'll we'll get into the Facebook groups in a yeah. little bit, but I mean. <laughs> People complaining about tracking trucks. Yeah. Like, it seems like they're actually tracking trucks. They are. Which, I mean, is frightening and fascinating all at the same time. It's it's insane, but it's also, uh, it shows a lot of assertiveness. I don't know what the word I'm looking (laughs) for. Dedication. There we go. Dedication. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a certain level of insanity. Yeah, I mean, that too. Yeah. Um, Yeah, Yeah, but Grimm. Grimm does awesome stuff. I I mean, they brought some stuff that was really good. Um, Yeah. Jack's Abbey, which I've I've been out there, which is that's a really cool. We're going there in a few weeks. I'm really excited. It's Ch- great check, checking out their. I mean, they have a brand new space that they just opened, like a beer hall type space. It's and, a beautiful and space. Cool. Yeah, I'm um, excited to go. There. I was out there a few weeks ago and nice. brought back a bunch of barrel aged framing hammers oh, for people locally. There you go. Um, all sorts of different flavors. Yeah, all but you know, variants. it's yeah. it was one of those great things because I was there and I knew people might want it. I just asked. Yeah, and said, "Hey, you want some?" And I brought some back. That's kind of how. That's how I work with a lot of my beer friends. Yeah, you know, my my one one of my best beer friends locally is, you know, he's going up to Vermont a few weeks, and I just went to Toronto, so I brought him back some beers from Toronto, and I'm like, don't bother to pay for it, just pay for it in beer when you yeah. when you go to you know, like that's how we just kind of keep a running tab. It just kind of fosters the community a little bit more. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of Vermont, I thought one of the standouts for me at the festival was the um, Prison City. Uh, ride in Vermont. Mm. I was super impressed by that. Yeah. Uh, ben Meso, the brewer, is a longtime friend of mine. I've known him for a few years, a, a, at least maybe six or 
probably five or six years because he's a he's a fellow uh, Uniha member, Upstate New York Homebrewers Association. That's where he was. He was New York State Homebrewer of the Year in 2011. Okay, uh, he's got insane chops. Like he can he does every style just so well. Um, just from you know his his fruited sours and Berliners to his IPAs, his English style porters. I mean, there's there isn't a single style that that guy can't make. And I know people were blown away, especially with that ride in Vermont. That really, uh, I mean, because his ride IPA was just <clears throat> a was was a tr- more traditional like American hopped style English IPA, so it was more English leaning in the backbone. And I know for the ride in Vermont, he uh, wanted to make like that. That hazy, cloudy hop juice, basically that you, yeah. s- you know, that really soft, pillowy mouthfeel that you see um, from, you know, Hill Farmstead and Alchemist and Second Fiddle and all those breweries. Or, uh, sorry, Fiddlehead, not Second Fiddle. Fiddle yeah, Second yeah. Fiddle's the name of the beer. But so yeah, I know people were, were super excited for that beer, and that was definitely one of my highlights. Was uh, was 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 the riot in Vermont? Yeah, it really delivered, and for a single IPA, it really carried a lot of the uh, carried the resin middle, and it's. I mean, those are my favorites right now. Is that. Yeah, I, I'm a balance freak when For it comes sure. to most things. I understand. Is I've swung back that way because I used to be, I want extreme, you know. Yeah. Uh, I want you know the four thousand million IBU, which isn't really a number. Uh, <laughs> pop bombs, or you know, or oh, here's some weird fruit we found in the in this puddle in Peru and put it in a beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've definitely swung back, and now I'm just enjoying really nice pilsners and right. and stuff like that. So. Well, and I think it restraint is not the easiest thing to do mm-hmm. it's easier to to say oh god we put a we put 50 pounds of hops at the end of this and we exploded it with this one thing and it's exciting and can be interesting but balance is much more challenging yes i think balance shows a lot more artistry yeah shows a lot more skill i mean that's why like i said i've been drinking a lot of pilsners and you know pilsners a beer that you can't hide any flaws in because you know if you if you screw something up, it's not going to, you know, you're going to taste it. You know, there's nothing to hide behind because it's such a simple beer. So there's there's a true skill to making something that's, you know, super, super balanced and just clean and refreshing and all of those all of those things that really show the, the artistry of a beer. So I'm just going to dive in a hair more deep on that because I don't know what goes into a Pilsner. Okay. So what's, what, what makes it, what makes it simple? What makes it? Well, I mean, like, so... Th- the one I've been in love with recently has been the the Genesee Brewhouse that uh, Northern German style pills they made, and that was what's known as a smash beer. So it's a single malt, single hop beer. Okay. Um, it was all uh, I'm drawing a blank on what the what the German malt was that that Dean and his team used over there, but it was so it was you know it's it's very simple because it's one one malt and then it was uh, was it a Hallertau. I'm drawing a blank on what the hop was, but I wrote about it. You think I would remember these things? Yeah, I, I uh, didn't write it down on my notes. Oh, uh, you're golden. But <laughs> so it's just you can't, you know, because it's so simple. You know, you you figure you're making this huge imperial stout. You can, you know, adjunct the hell out of it. You know, you can throw here's cocoa nibs, here's coffee, <laughs> here's vanilla mm-hmm. beans, you know, or whatever. And you can, you know, if you mess something up in that beer, you can hide it behind all of these different flavors. So you know you could you can get this weird melange of flavors, but and you can't really tell. I mean, you can you can tell if something's something's weird, but you can't really. You can hide your you can hide your mistakes in, in beers like that, and with with a really simple pilsner or or a pale ale or something along those lines, you know you because they're you know it's you pulled it up to the light and it's you know that beautiful straw golden color. Mm-hmm. You know you you can tell if if something was messed up or it just 
something will taste off. And so I think, you know, real, real hardcore beer nerds will tell you that, you know, they can, they appreciate something that's, that's super simple and super well done. <clears throat> well, I think that's, that correlates to a lot of things I like in food too. Like my favorite, like individual food is a margarita Neapolitan pizza. Nice. Super low ingredients. Yeah. I mean, from total, you could have a pizza with eight total ingredients from crust to toppings. Mm -hmm. And you can't hide your mistakes. Right. Because everything has to be right Uh or else it doesn't balance. It doesn't work. For sure. So I I like that corollary. I find that that's that's really interesting because you can't hide behind it. Yeah. That's why, like, that's what makes makes, uh, Ben Meso and Dean Jones and some of these guys just such fantastic brewers because there's such skill and what they're doing, you know, and then you also figure with a pilsner, you got to properly lager it, you know, so you're going to cold ferment it for you know, sometimes double the time that it'll take you to do a, a, a traditional ale. So, you know, there's there's a lot of, you know, make sure you're hitting your mash temperatures right. There's there's just so much so much that goes into making a beer like that and making it, you know, really sing hmm. because, you know, you can't, you know, you mess one thing up, it's just not going to be the same. Yeah. Um. That's interesting. Uh, finishing up with Prison City, I couldn't drink a whole glass of their Cocoa Puffs thing. Fair enough. But it was really interesting. And it I, was super I, chocolatey. I know they. I know Ben hates making that beer, which cracks me up because he, you know, they, he's got a tiny three and a half barrel system there. And I think the first batch he told me he used 50 bucks of Cocoa Puffs for that. <laughs> so he, he literally had to, not literally, he did. He, he went to the Auburn Wegmans and bought them out. And I think he might have went to a few other supermarkets and... <laughs> I forgot the whole origins of like why it be, ended up being cocoa puffed. Right. But, I mean, it's it that that beer seriously tastes like the milk that's left after you eat a box of after you eat a bowl of cocoa puffs. Yeah, I mean that's not usually my thing. And no, it, I didn't love it, but it was it was exactly what he advertised it as. Yes, exactly. And there was you couldn't get away from it. It tasted no. exactly like that. Yeah, he. Uh, He's a he's a he's a magician, man. He does some incredible stuff, and I'm excited for for their expansion. So we can, I mean, we're, they're not going to be seeing a lot of their beers outside of Auburn, yeah. But I'm excited that we'll be able to go there instead of you know going to Prison City and only having four or five or six of their beers on their twenty barrel or their twenty draft system, um, <coughs> twenty tap lines. There, they'll be all all twenty Ben Meso beers, which I think is oh, that's exciting, freaking awesome, yeah. Yeah, I need to I need to go out to Syracuse sometime soon and check out a lot of different things, the food scene, the yeah. Um, Syracuse beer is, is way behind what Rochester and Buffalo beer are. Okay, but I don't really know much about the food in general. Yeah, I don't. Eat, I, and it's weird. I don't know a lot about Syracuse food. I know yeah. Buffalo. Yeah, but I grew up there, so right. I, okay. I know that scene a little yeah. bit more. But Syracuse, I don't know much about. I need to talk to my friends at uh, the Loop mm-hmm. area. They do a lot of stuff yeah. uh, between the three cities. So I need to get yeah. some hints and maybe go out there with those guys. Nice. Um, so. I'm just going through my notes. Cool. Some of the other impressive stuff was, I, I there was a lot of barrel age stuff, obviously, because people love barrel age things. Yeah, I mean, those were the ones that people were lining up for. You know, I saw people like at the Firestone Walker line, they would go up to the front of the line, get their fill, and then go directly back to the end of the line just because you know all those beers were in sixtals, so they could have kicked at any you know could have kicked at any point. So yeah. you know, parabola might have kicked, so it would have <laughs> been whatever was next, and you know, nineteenth anniversary or whatever. So yeah, there was a ton of barrel aged stuff, just an absolute that's ton the stuff that still moves the needle though. I mean, oh, for sure. Stuff. I mean, I think it's weird. I I don't. It's I like them, but I, I haven't gotten obsessed with them. I think because of the because they tend to be just big. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard to bring subtlety when you've got 
when you got bourbon or whatever kind of barrel mm-hmm. on top of mm-hmm. big dark notes. And yeah. you, like you said, you, you lose you lose some of the subtleties. You lose some of the nuance, but I mean, but when, I, when I'm drinking beers like that, I'm looking for, you know, I want something that's super viscous, super chewy, something that's going to hit every part of my palate, you know, just be really big in the mouthfeel. Yeah. And so I look, you know, I don't want it to be thin, but you I mean, as, as the temperature changes, you get, you know, different notes from from the barrel. I mean, it's... It's it's not my favorite style, but it's you know a style I drink a bunch of. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and one that sort of stood out to me a little bit. Obviously, I I like the Jack's Abbey stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, Oscar Blues had a mixed Imperial yeah, the, IPA and Scotch Ale. The Chubna. Aged. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting. That was a mind trip. Yeah. Because I because I know both of those beers really well, and then. It's it's like you're like blending them and then you're putting them in a barrel and it was just it was just such a such a trip to to have like all of those flavors hitting me at once. It was it was really well done. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I thought it was a unique yeah. idea and bringing that IPA characteristic in there sort of brightened it all up a For little sure. bit, which yeah. I thought it was a really good idea. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think since we're talking about the barrel aged beers, my favorite from the entire festival was the Naked Dove Russian Imperial Stout, barrel aged Russian Imperial Stout. Okay, that was I think was my favorite beer of the entire festival. Interesting. See, I yeah. didn't I didn't get to that one. Yeah, I mean they they what I love about those guys is that they take the time like so they brewed that Russian Imperial Stout originally for their fourth anniversary, and they sat on it for ten months before they even released it. Wow. So they let it. They just have the the patience to really let those, you know, they want everything to mellow out to get to the exact point where they want it. And I was really excited when I found out that they were going to be bringing the barrel-aged Russian Imperial stuff because that was just, it was just so rich and chocolatey. I absolutely loved it. And it was the one I probably had the most pours of, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think the other the other one that really stood out to me um, was the, uh, one of the brand new beers from Three Heads. Okay, and this was must have been one of the first things off their yeah the, new system, the, the Citra Blanc Sour. Yeah, yeah, that was, was I think I want to say it was the third full batch because I know I th- I think I know the first first beer they officially mashed in there was was the kind you know the the flagship IPA of course and the second batch might have been one of their other flagships but it was definitely one of the first three or four batches they did on there and it was cool to see them do something that was completely out of the realm of everything they've done previously i think I mean, that was they've a, they've never released the sour before you know in the 5 plus years they've been around yeah and i think that was the exciting part um you know i don't know their product that well uh, i've had a few times but not not enough to make yeah. any huge judgments but having something that i knew they hadn't done before that i knew was new i I, what I thought was really cool about it was that they were didn't mean to cut you off there, but no, they ahead. were really really allowing their two brewers, uh, Bruce and Casey, to really just kind of follow their whims and do something that was completely out of the realm, you know, of everything they've done before. So I was excited to see them kind of push themselves a little bit to do something that's completely <laughs> outside of what Three Heads is known for, which is you know those those crazy big hop bombs, you know, that's kind of what, you know, let's make a hoppy scotch ale, let's make a triple IPA called Trey Kind, you know, and mm-hmm. let's let's make our first double IPA out of the brew called Hop Abomination. <laughs> you know, I mean so I mean they're that's that's their aesthetic, you know, that's what they've what they've really developed their following for. So it was I was really really uh refreshing to see them do something and actually do it really well. I actually enjoyed that beer quite a bit. Yeah, and I thought uh, they I thought what they did was they played on the balance super mm-hmm. well. For sure. Um that it was it was hopped, you know, it was dry hopped, but it still it played it played sour really nicely. 
Um, and for me, it was a striking balance and a beer I've gone back to already two or three times having it other places because it's, it was just exciting. And to see that executed that well locally was fantastic. Yeah. No, it was, um, there's been some other breweries locally have done some, some dry up sours. I know Swiftwater's done quite a few of them. Yep. I tried that the other day. Yeah. They, they've, I mean, they've the first, one of the first five or six beers they opened with was a, was a dry up sour. Yeah, uh, it seems to be really popping right now. I it mean, really sours is. are popping right yep, now, but dry hop sours is for sure. I mean, Grimm has kind of pushed that envelope a little bit. Uh, let's see what other breweries are kind of known for that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really something that people have, you know, that 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 kettle soured with you know lactobacillus with the with the lactobacteria, <laughs> um, and then you know dry hopping the every living you know what out of it. <laughs> <laughs> So I didn't get to do a lot of other beer week stuff. I showed up at a couple places randomly. Was there anything else as part of the beer week that really stood out to you? Um, see, the thing is, because I work Tuesday through Saturdays at That's the paper. That's right. Um, I would either, like, if I knew, like, one of the breweries was, was releasing some kind of collaboration or something, I tried to hit it up because I work 4 to midnight. So I would I would try to, like, hey, mind to let me in a few minutes early so I can <laughs> write my beer blog on this later. And, right. Um the few brewers that I did want to do that to were very gracious and allowed me to do that. Uh, I kind of use beer work, beer week for myself to kind of rediscover local beer because my focus has kind of shifted. You know, I, I do a lot of beer trading, so I've, I want to try like other cities' local beers. And then there's just so much to to know and appreciate here, so I kind <laughs> of used that um, to look at you know like Nedlow down in Bloomfield or or Rohrbox that I haven't been to in a while, or um, you know I went to Knucklehead, I went to I went to Stoneyard. You know, I went to a whole bunch of a bunch of different places that I haven't uh, yeah kind of experienced in a while, and um, kind of used that as an excuse to you know write some two hundred word beer reviews that just for just for the heck of it. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that. Um, so I think now's a great time to get into the local scene sure. a little bit. Um, obviously, the last two years has seen an explosion in yeah local breweries. It's it's funny because the the first. So in June of 2014 was the first time I wrote a I wrote a Sunday 1A centerpiece uh, on the state of local beer. I remember it was June 1st, 2014. I don't know why that sticks in my brain. <laughs> and I was just excited. You know, I was ecstatic to see my name on the front page, which is, you know, the little kid in me still gets excited about. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it is fantastic to see your name in print. For sure. And so at that point, I, I remember I was just kind of writing about the explosion of craft beer and then to think about where we were, I mean, that's, you know, just over two years ago and how much just beer in Monroe County has grown. And then you see, you know, you see crazy growth in, in Ontario County and there's some growth in Livingston County and then you see what's happening in Buffalo. And it's just, it's nuts how how much it's grown, but it's not even to where it's, there's not, I don't think we're saturated yet, which which blows my mind. I mean, I I made a it was just kind of trying to plot out what I wanted to write about this summer, just to kind of give my editor an idea of what I was looking at because I have a lot of freedom, which right. is really awesome. They just kind of if I have a cool story I want to pursue, they they I just, they just give me the green light. I get the green light just about every time. Um, so I just for my own kind of notes, I made a list of all of the breweries I know about that are um, either in planning or are you know in front of town zoning boards or in under construction or way down licensing and stuff like that. And just in Monroe and Ontario County, um, I came up with a list of 14 places. Wow. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's nuts. And there's just so, and the, the weird part is, so one of the ones that I was looking at, um, 
I wrote previously about them before, the Stumbling Monkey, the one that's going to be open in Victor. Um, okay. I wrote about them in January, and they were trying to be open by March. I know they're they're waiting for federal licensing right now, and they're pretty pretty darn close. And but one of the one of the co-founders of Stumble Monkey reached out to me. He's like he's like, hey, did you hear about this brewery in Greece that's supposed to be opening next month? And I'm like I'm like no. <laughs> and yeah, so I start. He sends me the guy's phone number, and I talked to the guy last week. And so there's a new brewery in Greece that's gonna um, right on right on Westridge Road uh, called Iron Tug. Um, nice. Yeah, I guess the I talked to the guy. He's a he's a tugboat guy. So he he said every three weeks he goes down to Philadelphia and and uh, he he's on a tugboat for three weeks. And then he comes back, and then he loves beer. Uh, so there's a brewery that wasn't even on my radar. I mean, it's just, and I I'm pretty clued in on what's going right. on. So I mean, just that shows just how crazy the growth has been. And it's just, I think it, what the exciting part is is how how hyper local the growth is. You know, it seems like neighborhoods are getting breweries. Yeah, and, and it seems definitely. It's I like that neighborhood vibe. Yeah. Um. I mean, let's. I mean, we're. Not, I'm not, I don't really want to dive into specific brewery quality today because that's not what we're doing yeah. right now yeah um but for an example knucklehead is a neighborhood brewery they totally are um yep. and they're, it's I mean, not that far from where i am now yeah i mean their their clientele is, is is you know people on that side of monroe county people who are coming just straight from webster and they don't have any plans to dominate the world you know but it's just it's you know <laughs> it's it's a run by two families and they're making super solid stuff and that's that's the kind of place I like because they're the people are awesome and like we were saying earlier, you know, there's 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 something to be said about a just a simple, nicely done, well made beer. Sure. And that's that's what Knucklehead's doing. And you know, nothing super exciting, but I mean that kind of plays perfectly into the neighborhood vibe we were just talking about. Yeah. And it seems like they're also trying to improve and trying they're doing some to weird stuff all the it's, time. Which is which is cool. Yeah, for Beer Week they did a uh, a collaboration saison with Rock called Rockhead. I mean, because what else are you gonna call it? Yeah. And it was so much different than anything they've ever done because it was an eight percent saison with two hundred pounds of apricot puree, um, pink peppercorns, uh, wildflower wildflower honey, and uh, harillo hops, which I'm sure I said wrong. It's J-A-R-R-Y-L-O. And it was just so unlike any knucklehead beer I've ever had. But it was done by the two sons of one of the co-owners. Okay. Which, you know, it's not a style he would normally make, but it's a style his sons were interested in in making. That sounds really fascinating. It was cool. It was a really weird beer, but it was was unlike anything I've had from, from, you know, Rock's been doing some weirder stuff recently, you know, for the last year, year and a half, really. And, but that was just so unlike any knucklehead beer I had. But just it shows that they're. Um, I know they're releasing a big double IPA in the next week or two. Awesome. So yeah, they're definitely not satisfied with just you know their their core six beers, and they're doing some cool stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna have to stop up there and try that because that sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's it's worth a visit. I'm yeah. not sure if it's still on at this point, but well, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I want to talk about the scene in general. I've talked about this with a couple other beer guys. Mm-hmm. Um. Quantity versus obsessive quality. Mm-hmm. We've gotten a lot of new breweries. Yeah. And again, this is where I don't really want to talk about specific places. That's fine because I'm not going to. I didn't think yeah. you would. Um, yeah. You know what? I'm I'm part of my plans yeah. this summer is to go go through a lot of the local breweries yep. specifically yep. and try and find what's great right now, mm-hmm. what's fascinating right now, yeah. and you know, constructively critique as needed, mm-hmm. and try to bring along beer people with me because I'm not a true expert. I'm 
I'm learning at mm-hmm. best. Um, but where, where in your mind does the balance between obsessive quality when it comes to putting out something that's truly notable and not just because it's unique, but just yeah. because it's super well executed for I mean, that style. I, th- I don't think this might sound terrible of me to say. I mean, there's there's a lot of local beer right now, but a lot of it isn't good. I mean, I, I agree yeah. with you in general. So, I mean, that's that's the kind of the stuff I ignore just because I'm not here to, to crap on someone's livelihood. I, yeah. mean, I don't think that's my role. I mean, I, I can be critical when I need to be, mm-hmm. but I also try to, you know, try to give some valid criticism, but also kind of offer some praise if I can. Absolutely. But... There's, there's, you know, just because there's, there's, there's camp that of people that just because it's local, it has to be good. And there's a, there's a lot of obsessive people like that. Um, obsessive might not, might not be the right word. No, but I understand. Militant maybe. Yeah. And it's the same, same way with food as anything else. Local's not good. Good is good. Right. And if it can be both, that's amazing. For sure. That's what you want. That's For the sure. best case. That's why you get excited about breweries like Stoneyard that are that are both local and world class. Right. So, I mean, we're 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 I mean, obviously right now we're we're not there. We don't have a lot of no a lot of national recognition we have, right now. We have I mean, people know Genesee. Right. There's there's no there's no well the other thing is the breweries here are so small that none of them are packaging to release, you know, or I mean, Three Heads is really, I mean, they've really pulled back in recent years. They used to be, like when I wrote about them in 2014 for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, they were in 10 states at that point. And they're, they're, they've are they've reined back quite a bit. And now I think what they told me, 70% of their sales are just within the Rochester market. You know, that obviously allowed them to build equity in their brand to get to the point where they could finance, you know, that, that multi-million dollar facility. Beautiful, by oh, the way. Oh, it's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And I think the more of those... Because really, that's that's a that's a craft beer hub. Now. It is, um, which is which is what Buffalo has. Rochester yeah, doesn't have beautiful. that. So so Rochester, you know, Buffalo has Big Ditch right downtown. Yep. They have, you know, right around the corner from Community Beer Works, you have Resurgence that has the you know that beautiful glass roof with with that incredible beer garden outside. Um, you look at places like New York Beer Project in Lockport, which is um, designed to look like uh, Grand Central Station, mm-hmm. and it's just, I mean, it's you look at this place and it's. And I, for lack of a better term, it's a beer palace. It's a beer cathedral. You know, it's it's just it's you drop your jaw because it's just you're looking at this place. You're like, holy cow! Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, other places like that in Buffalo, and Three Heads is really the first place in Rochester outside of really the Genesee Brew House that has that potential to really draw people in from out of the market because it really is uh, it's a destination. You know, it's the type of place that you can go to. You know, it'll it'll be it'll be place that'll spur you know a Rochester beer trail you know it'll be a place that people will will stop at and then be like oh you know Lost Borough is right down the road you know it's it's a quarter mile it's half a mile or whatever right it's a you two know, minute I mean, drive yeah exactly and then you you know Rock is right right on the other side of Park Avenue or um well not really Park Avenue but you know what I'm saying yeah, right, well, right on, in the right, right in the east end and um you know Rohrbach the the craft beer hall um, portion that they opened at Railroad Street is mm-hmm. right around the corner, you know, and Swiftwater is right on the edge of the South Wedge. So, I mean, it's, you can, you know, just in that section of the city, you can really spend an entire day. I mean, there's, what, five or six breweries right there. 100%, yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right when it comes to, I mean, one, having that destination and when it looks like a destination. Mm-hmm. And For I, sure. I don't, I'm not I'm not obsessive about appearances when yeah. it comes to places because yeah. my some of my favorite food places are dives and yeah. holes in the wall. That's that's my kind of bar, but yeah. Oh yeah. But you know, it's that 
that appearance mm-hmm. when you go there and you say, "Oh, this is a destination now." Well, Stone Art's going to be like that on the other side of Monroe. Right, I saw some pictures. I mean, it looks fantastic. Yeah, I mean that's. I mean that's just and just in a a block radius, they have the original brewery and restaurant, and then they're opening opening the breakfast company, and probably in the next week um, at the old Rocco's. And then a few hundred feet away from that, right down Clinton Street, they're opening. They're in construction right now in a twenty thousand square foot brewery, which is you know the exact same size as Three Heads. Wow. So I mean, there's we're Rochester's Nedlow. You could argue is kind of that destination brewery too. But mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's breweries that are angling to become those those kind of, for lack of a better term, like a regional hub almost. And it's it's kind of cool to see the to see our scene evolve to where it's going to be able to support things like that. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a step forward. And for me, I'm when I try some of this stuff, I don't know. I'm maybe it's a little romantic of an idea. Hmm. I, I'm 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 still waiting for somebody who's crazy enough just to do things great and not do anything else. Obviously, you have to have money behind you to do you that, do. or insanity, yeah, or both. Both would probably be helpful. Be helpful. That's, that's probably what's needed for that equation. Yeah, yeah. But it's. I mean, I guess it's when you see some of the you know things that are that are famous like it seems like they're just doing three or four things but they're only doing them great but they're distributing or they just have such a national or international renown that they're driving people to their place of business i mean you look right. at, you look at hill farmstead in vermont you look at the alchemist you know with with hetty topper and they're you know they're soon to open that huge new brewery in uh, in stowe vermont mm-hmm. um you look at treehouse in, in western mass you look at trillium in boston i mean you look at these places that Really, actually, don't distribute anywhere outside of the brewery. Maybe, maybe you see a few kegs in and around, in around that area, but it's it's people that go there and line up for three hours just to get you know their growler fills. And uh, I mean, Rochester certainly doesn't have anything close to that, right? Um, anything that kind of that kind of creates that fervor or creates that that madness almost. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard because it, it's hard to recreate lightning in a bottle essentially, right? Because you've you've got. I mean, we're talking about all those places. The examples are almost, they're all New England. Yep. You know, and the, those are the oh, there's, primary there's, ones. I mean, there's there's places all in and around the country. Obviously, I mean, there's, there's, there's Russian River. And, which I and went to in November. Wow, nice. Beautiful. Yeah. I did yeah. I, I did the entire tasting of their Oh, so of like their probably 20 beers. Yeah, it was 22, I think. Nice. What? Fantastic. Yeah. It was really interesting. I mean, the guy that invented American Sour Ale. Yeah. yeah Mar- so I mean, many. Vinny also invented American Double IPAs. Yeah, yeah it was, I, one, fascinating. Yeah. Two, delicious. Yeah. And two and three, it got me a lot into. They use so many different bacteria too. Uh huh. And house like, cultures, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah. And some of them are so unique. Yep. And so I'm going to say this wine background. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just a lot of wine aged, yeah, you know, barrel aged things for sure. And I mean, so we, yeah, Rochester doesn't have that, but right. I'm, maybe we will. I mean, that's. I guess that's my hope. Is I, it, I think it's, it's a great way to which get is, noticed, which is weird. Of, I think. Prison City could be that that brewery that yeah that really, I mean, granted, you know, they're an hour plus away from Rochester, you know, closer to Syracuse, really, but that's kind of the spot that uh, is is really, I think, has the potential. I mean, they've only been open about eighteen months, and that's and Ben, I mean, he's only he's already the only upstate brewer that's uh, he medaled at GABF, you know, the Great American Beer Fest, mm. and he's he's entered his fruited sours into you know the category against. World-class brews like Rare Barrel in Berkeley, California, or the brewery, and you know, in, in Orange County, and I think I think he's got the skill, and plus the owners Don and Mark Schultz have the. I think they might be the right blend of crazy and 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 talent <laughs> to uh, 
just amazing people. But I, they, I think they, that could be the kind of place that could really, you know, once even they start bottling or canning some of their stuff, I think that could be the kind of place that would could kind of draw people into the scene. Interesting. No, I, I think but, that's that's really interesting. I think that's that's what I'm hoping for. But it's I don't know. The hype's great, and obviously, hype's dangerous. One, I I want to get into that yeah. a little bit yeah. because. Um, oh, and before I'm going to do a slight bit of bragging because sure. when I was first getting into beer, mm-hmm. I got, <laughs> it was weird. A couple of my friends just gave me some phenomenal stuff mm-hmm. and I had no reason to drink this or yeah. even any ability to fully appreciate it. Right. Like one of the first double IPAs I had, somebody brought me Teddy Topper <laughs> and just gave me one. I'm like, oh, I'll, that was really interesting. I'll take good. this straight to my face. I love it. Right. Yeah. And then. I was in Pittsburgh, and um, one of my friends, her now husband, works at Google. Okay. So he brought back, he had some consecration from Russian River nice. that he had aging in his cellar. And he's That's like, oh, great, you want to try it? That's I'm a like, great beer city, too. Yeah, yeah. which I'm, I'm really Pittsburgh interested is, in test, yeah. testing it out some yeah. more. Um, but I, I tried it and was like, oh, this is great. And then I went back and tried it at Russian River. I'm like, oh, this is phenomenal. It's really good. cool once you develop the develop the vocabulary to properly describe what you're tasting yeah that's kind of been i mean i try to when i write about it i try to kind of try not to get too technical or too nerdy but also make it accessible to a wider audience and but it's it's really fun to to really you know surround yourself with enough smart people that eventually some of their some of their knowledge gets crammed in your brain yeah well, let's, let's talk about homebrew. So you're you're into the homebrew association. Yeah, I haven't homebrewed probably in two years. Uh, right, but I'm but assuming what that gives you is a background in some technical knowledge. A little bit. Not, at least not in as, some form. Not as much as I, I should. I really need to get back into it because I think it'll really improve my writing quite a bit. Yeah. So obviously, you know, a lot of the brewers that are popping up are homebrewers yes. first. And then they transition to commercial brewing. Yeah. It's. I mean, that's how Three Heads started. That's how uh, Andy at Swiftwater started. That's how all of those gentlemen started. Is, is you know, you're making stuff in a five or ten gallon batch in your driveway or your basement, and enough people tell you how awesome you are, you're gonna think, hey, maybe this is something I should pursue. Yeah. So, so what? What are? I mean, you've done the homebrew. You know, a lot of people have done it. Yeah. Obviously, was, it's a big transition. I was lucky enough that my uh, next door neighbor in Rondequit, um has a great chef brain, and uh, so I. I learned a lot from from just brewing with him, uh, and just enough from being at the at the Uniha meetings. You know, the, our monthly meetings kind of turn into a mini bottle share, and you know, talk to those people and and just kind of steal knowledge from them. Uh, but I mean that 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 transition is crazy. I mean, you you figure so like I wrote last a few weeks ago when I was writing about three heads. You know, they basically were doing you know, five or 10 gallon batches of their stuff. And they ran into Bruce uh, Lish, who's their head brewer now, who was, used to be the head brewer at uh, at CB's down in Huntington Falls, which mm-hmm. is where Three Heads made all of their beer. So, you know, they basically said, you know, you're going to help us, you know, here's some of our beer, we give it a shot. You know, you do think you can help us scale up from a uh, from five barrel batch, or five gallon batch rather, to a 10 barrel batch, you know, mm. a barrel being 31 gallons. So you figure, you know. 60 times, yeah. Right. I mean, just. Just to have that, you know, that's that's nuts. Yeah. Just having that that little bit of insanity that really sparks sparks that transition. <laughs> and it's you know different equipment too, so you're relearning it's, how to make yeah. the same beer. Right. 
Yeah, I mean it's not it's not just as simple as saying, okay, I used four pounds of this. Well, you wouldn't use four pounds of hops in a five gallon, whatever. You know, I use <laughs> I use four pounds of this in my tiny homebrew batch. Oh, I'm just going to multiply it by forty times, and then I'll be good to go. You know, it, it doesn't work like that. You know, when you're when you're scaling stuff up, just because it doesn't translate like that. So just just that that transition is just mind boggling to me is to have the the faith to do that, but also to to want to push yourself to, you know, put a product with your name out there, you know, for, you know, you're, you're basically inviting everyone to judge you. Yeah. I mean, it's once it's, when it's in your, when it's in your garage, you're giving it to friends and they, they think you have feelings. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, well, as soon as you become a business, people assume you're a corporation and you don't have any feelings or thoughts. And I've seen that in, you know, in food and other areas Mm -hmm. where, like the critiques get brutal. Well, the internet emboldens people to be tough guys too. Yeah, you know, it's keyboard warriors sitting behind their keyboard. Uh, oh, this is this is this is god awful trash, and um, <laughs> I I think it sucks. Okay, why do you think it sucks? Well, just because I think it sucks. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, oh, let's let's get into that because yeah. I'm recently I joined a couple of the local beer groups in Rochester. Lots of passion. So, lots, lots of great people, lots of passion. Yeah, I joined two of them. Yeah, there's two two in Rochester it's specifically. The there's uh, there's rock rock beer and then the uh, Flower City Beer Appreciation Association. FCBAA. Okay, I joined three then. So it was rock beer and then there's another one that I that I joined. It was one of the trading groups. Yeah, 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 yeah. The rock rock in in person uh, for trade in search of group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I joined like three of those because yeah. I'm trying to get more into it. I'm trying right. to learn more. Yeah, and it's really interesting because there's so much because it's been established just such an avalanche of information yeah and it's it's, it's obsessive it's, and you see people searching for the same things over and over yes. again and it's like i want treehouse i've got genesee ipa yeah i no, mean it's an extreme example no it's not it's sadly it's not it's like <laughs> here's the beer i drove 5 hours to monson mass to get and but can you trade it for the grim IPA that you just picked up off the shelf? Maybe I can flip it for that. It's yeah. just it's it's unreasonable. It's kind of scary and people don't I mean there's there's an economics of beer which is just insane, you know, the right. second, secondary market, the trade market values for for some of these beers, especially Treehouse. Right, cuz I mean just, that's that's the one I see all the time right now. Yep. Um, well, that's that's probably 90% of what's put on those on that page specifically. Yeah, cuz yeah. I, I it's something I've never had. I'm sure I'd love to try it. But well, we're seeking out. I mean, I'm gonna make a trip later this summer. Just take sure. a random Friday off and go wait in line and do it. Well, and that's the other thing. But I also have enough people I know locally that have shared a lot with me. Right, but that's like for me. So where where's located? Uh, it's like 45 minutes outside of Springfield, Mass. Okay, so like next time I drive out to Boston, like I'll I'll just stop in. Yeah, and what I'll do is now you gotta you gotta plan it out right because they're yeah. only open Wednesday through Saturday. Um, sure, and then it's like different days change what's available. I think like is I think Fridays are like the first day of the week where you can get both growler fills and cans. I'm probably wrong, but sure. I mean it's it's very specific on how they are available. But then again, they also announced that they're going to have a big expansion, so I don't think I think that will help. Uh, It'll ease, change ease everything, access I'm to sure. the beer. Yeah, but you know it's it's one of those things. Now again, I'm I'm in a slightly unique situation because I've been writing on food mm-hmm. and I've been doing other stuff. I know some people who are into the beer thing a little bit more. Right. You know, I know I know guys at different places that run the beer programs and this right. and that. And if I want to bring stuff back, I know people that are interested. Right. 
but I can also bring it to people I know will appreciate it. And that's what I try to do. It comes back yeah. in other ways. Right. Beer um, karma's real. I don't yeah. think there's any doubt about that. Um, and now, obviously, not everybody has that kind of access to people who are dedicated, no, but no. are and are friendly. friends. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying when I see the group, you see people who are desperate to find things, and they just don't know people. And it's it's challenging. I can see it why. Is I can see but why it's also, they do it. It's also a great resource because I mean it. It unlike a lot of markets, um, Rochester is very unique in terms of the passion that's within those beer groups. Um, you know, I mean, I can post links to my articles, and you know, before they're even what they call gridded on our website. You know, so you pull up our homepage, there'll be you know the third or fourth story that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, because I publish a lot of my stuff directly to the web, and before it's even gridded on our website or our mobile app or anything like that, you know, you'll see um, we have a big TV in the newsroom where we can see, you know, like what are the top 10 articles at that point and how many people are in them at a certain point and, you know, what they call engagement time. So you can see how, how long people are spending in your articles. That's know? really cool and really scary all it at is. the same time. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> you see like, you know, I'll, I'll post something in those, I'll post links in both of those beer groups and within minutes, you know, you'll see like 10 or 12 people in one of my articles and you'll see an engagement time of like a minute twenty seconds or something like that, and it's it's it just shows the amount of passion that's in Rochester. Um, you know, Buffalo Buffalo has a Buffalo Beer Geeks group that's not nearly as 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 crazy and 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 driven as as the Rochester beer groups are. You know, I don't even I'm not even sure if there's a Syracuse beer group, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, the FCBA is now over, is almost 5,000 members, you know, rock beer, wow. rock beer is like 1500 members. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, how those people can really, uh, almost drive demand. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's where I saw some of this, you know, truck following this. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the complaints that seem to pop up there are, you can't get things. Nope. Because people people are chasing and buying anything that's semi-rare, yeah. people are snapping up immediately. Yep. Or they're and buying all of it if there's no limit on it. Right. Um, and that's the kind of point where I used to get angry over that stuff. And then, you know, I kind of take a step back and I'm just like, it's a liquid. Who really gives a... Yeah. You know, and there's so much other good stuff, you know, like I can walk in any bottle shop in Rochester and pick up a bottle of L. Smith Speedway Stout. And that's just as good, if not better, than... Any other rare thing you you jackals are trying to to <laughs> trying to uh, you know trying to seek out. So I mean, it's just you know I, I love trying to track down the rare stuff. I mean, it, it's it's a little easier for me just because my hours are you know my afternoons aren't jammed up with being at work. Right. But at the same point, you're just like take a deep breath and just enjoy what what I can grab. You know, I mean, there's just so much other. The access we have to beer right now is insane with just the breweries that we've seen just gain distro to our market recently. You know, we can finally get New Belgium. We can get Boulevard. You know, we're still seeing crazy great stuff from breweries like Firestone Walker. I mean, Oma Gang has been putting out world-class stuff for almost 20 years. I mean, it's just... And they're in our backyard. Exactly. There's just so much stuff that... There's just so much good beer that just sits on our shelves that, you know, just take take a deep breath and don't sweat over a some weird grim fruited sour that I couldn't track down. Right. You know, chances are you'll find it on draft somewhere around town. Or, yeah, and I think that's I think that's almost always not always, but it's almost it's a different experience mm-hmm. because you can go and you can talk to the guy that brought it in because he's interested. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and I, I always I use Joe Bean as an example because that's my place. That's yeah. where I end up. Yeah. But anything, a lot of interesting things come through there, and for they sure. have it on tap. They do. And if you go and people and stuff will sit there because there's not crazy demand for it, there. right? Because people don't understand what a hidden gem that place is, right? And they're and they're getting great stuff, and some of the yeah. stuff lasts, some of it doesn't. Yeah. But you know, you can go to you can go to any of the events at Tap and Mallet. Yep. They're bringing in great stuff all the time. Right. Uh, the Playhouse has become a huge for sure a huge release yeah. place. I mean, there's always been good stuff on Draft at Acme or good stuff at the Owl House or you know at the Old Toad. I and mean, it's expanding. It really is. There's and so many places that aren't traditional beer places. I mean, you go into McCann's and now, yeah, and they have what, got six drafts, and six these. lines, and they're almost yeah. always interesting. Yeah, no, at great prices. Yep, and you can also eat a huge pile of meat on a sandwich. Oh my gosh, yeah. And, but he's he's bringing in interesting stuff all the time. Yeah, and Kevin's made great friends with a lot of the local brewers too. So I mean, you'll you'll see you'll see Stoneyard stuff, you'll see Swiftwater stuff on there, and. You know, obviously stuff from the Giant Sea Brew House. I mean, he's, he's, I mean, just, what, he just had his first anniversary in just such a short period of time. He's become such a vital component of the scene. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, not only a vital part of the beer scene, a vital part of the food scene, he's just a vital kind of guy. He's just the best. I, I, I love the guy. I mean, everybody who talks to him loves him because he's, he's the genuine article. Yep. And you can't help but I mean, but how do you engaged. not love a big guy in overalls? Come on. Oh, big guy in overalls covered in viscera. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> the sad part is, as soon as you said Visser, I just thought of the really weird old school WWE re- wrestler. That makes me so happy. But, um, yeah, I might still learn about wrestling. I'm not oh, gonna... we have to talk about that another time. We will. Cool. Um, because I'm just getting back into wrestling. I recently, like the last year, uh, one of my best buddies in Ironico, do I share a lot of my beers with? Okay. Um, well, we get together on on Sunday nights for the pay per views, and yeah. All right, I might need to get yeah. into that because yeah. I've been watching them, but yeah. I'm. Yeah. I haven't bought into the network yet, so I'm I'm intrigued. I'm lucky that I have his password. He's a very <laughs> generous guy. <laughs> I've yeah. got a few passwords for other things. Yeah, no, I got my HBO Go password. I mean, I got I'm, there. You go. I'm, I'm golden. Way to cut the cord. Uh, <laughs> um, so I want to finish off with Genesee. Yeah. So Jenny is what Rochester's known for. Yep. Um, you won't find a bigger Jenny fan in Rochester than me. So huge. Um, when you talk about Jenny fan, you talking about everything. Yep. Um, uh, you will always find Jenny Light Mike in, in my fridge. Okay. Always. Always. I uh, love Jenny Cream. Uh, huge Jenny Bach fan. 12 Force I'm uh, in love with. I mean, Jenny Red Eye is just a just a great lager. Uh, so, yeah, you won't, you, like I said, and I love the Genesee Brew House. I probably eat there maybe once a week. Okay. Uh, just go see what new stuff uh, Dean has on, on tap. So, I mean, I, I haven't tasted a lot of the traditional stuff at all. Okay. But, and I'm, I'm definitely interested in doing that, especially getting some insight from people that, Know the technical side because obviously macro brewing has gotten a tick. It's is a huge. Well, well, you you figure so Genesee's brewing on a five hundred barrel system, right? You figure the second largest brewery in Monroe County now is Three Heads, which is brewing on a thirty barrel system. <laughs> so I mean, just and then a lot of the time when they're doing five hundred barrel batches, they're doing double batches of it. So they're doing one thousand barrel batches, and then you also think like, okay, so last year Three Heads made about thirty five hundred barrels. Mm-hmm. Just just through their contract brewing at CBs and Honey Falls, so they made thirty five hundred barrels, and the Genesee Brew House made in one day. This is just in one batch did one thousand barrels. Yeah. So just just shows you the scope of and the scale of a place like that. It's just you know they're what are they the sixth or seventh largest brewery in the country. I mean they're it, just to have that right sitting on St Paul Street. Right. It's just. 
you know, Buffalo doesn't have that. No. Um, Syracuse kind of does because the big Budweiser plant is in Baldwinsville. Right. I and mean, that's where they do a lot of the Goose Island can stuff, like the 312 and um, those beers. But just having the scale of a place like the Genesee uh, Brewery, uh, North American Breweries, and then all of the contract brewing and all the other stuff they do. Right. And yeah, it's, it's crazy to think of beer on that scale compared to, you know, you're looking at. At looking at uh, Stoneyard out in Brockport, mm-hmm. and they're brewing. He's Oz and, and Seamus out there brewing in a. It's a. It's a. It's an old elevator shaft, and so they're doing two and a half barrel batches of beer, and it's just crazy to think about just the difference. I don't know. It just baffle. It doesn't baffle me. It blows me away. Yeah, it's a completely different world, yeah, and yeah. I think the a lot of people obviously down a macro beer, and it's obviously most people don't yeah. get excited by it, but. If you're speaking purely technically, it's phenomenal that they can maintain a technical consistency over a thousand barrels at a time. They have tasting panels every day where they'll taste, you know, this is the the Jenny Light from this day. And they have guys who have been on those tasting panels for 35, 40 years that can say that that know ingrained within them, they know what Genesee needs to taste like. Mm -hmm. So they can tell you. Ooh, maybe you did. Maybe uh, you know. Maybe something's off here. I mean, just just that kind of technical savvy, but that kind of that train your palate where you can you can you just know when something's not right. Hmm. I mean that that I find that fascinating. But also in the last what year or so, they've rapidly expanded. What yeah. Their, yeah. The Genesee their craft presence. The, yeah. The so when they opened the Genesee Brew House in 2012, um, Dean Jones has been the brewer. Um, since they opened, and he's got a wide and varied craft background that includes places like Wagner Valley down in Seneca Lake, and um, he owned and operated a brewery in Detroit. He worked out in Florida. He's, you know, Seabold trained, which is pretty much the premier brewing school in the in the country, um, besides UC Davis. Uh, so he's just he his his the pilot brewery he he operates there is, is twenty barrels. So you know, obviously a, pr- a pretty good sized system, and it still dwarfs most of. Most of the systems <laughs> that a lot of the the tiny tiny uh, breweries are brewing on around right. here, uh, but he he has the freedom to, I mean he just does the traditional the malty the German so well, and so he he's allowed to really play around there you know so he's able to brew a beer like the uh, you know like the one they did with the hedonist chocolate the Genesee salted caramel chocolate porter got a huge huge, huge response yeah. Um, not my favorite. No, I, not I mine that. either. Way too sweet for me. Absolutely. But, but I wrote that, and but I can appreciate why people enjoyed it so much. Tons Just, of people loved it. It was one of their favorite oh, things. Yeah. Um, and you know, it flew. It got crazy buzz in all of those Facebook groups. You know, it got people excited, thinking, "Oh wow, this is this is a Genesee beer." Mm-hmm. You know, kind of shifted the narrative a little bit, which is interesting to kind of see Genesee really shifting perceptions. Yeah, because I mean, and, for a long time they had you know they had their off label, you know their yeah. What was what was the the big off label? Dundee, right? Yeah, they had that, but I mean, it's now it's Genesee straightforward. Yeah, right I on mean, the label. Dundee's still there, right? But now yeah. now it's a Genesee small batch, yeah, or pilot batch, yeah. whatever it says pilot on the batch. label. But they're doing so many diverse things. Yeah, like they so they have the year round ones that they do with the uh, the Scotch Ale and which I is believe good. The Scotch Ale is really nice. Um, they did the Double Bock, which was great. Um, the new Pilsner they did was great. The new IPA they did was just had this really long lasting deep bitterness that was really beautiful. Yeah, and it wasn't um, it wasn't super West Coast. No, it was great. I thought it was really good. No, it was super well balanced. I enjoyed that beer, and that's going to be a year round beer for them. That's awesome. Um, 
and you know they did the black IPA. They've they've done a lot of different stuff, and it's kind of cool to see. Like I said, Genesee kind of shift that narrative, and like I wrote about back in April, I believe. Um, just just the big brother that Genesee's become to Rochester craft beer. I love that article, by the way. Yeah, that was I, one of my favorites. I thought it was really interesting with yeah. the testing lab. Yeah, um, opening the labs, you know, so uh, area breweries can at no cost, by the way, can bring in their beers and have them tested, you know, and they can see, you know, there's there's problems with yeast strain here or problems with whatever, and then they're also um, I've been taking part in the monthly uh, sensory panels they do. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so you go in and they you'll you'll have like your <laughs> Your your uh your straight Jenny, so you have, you know, your uh what's the word I'm looking for? You have, you know, the the beer that's that that is Jenny and then they'll everyone else will be dosed with whatever kind of off flavor. So you go through gotcha, and then you, you got learn. your control beer. Thank you. Control, thank you. Yes. Um so you you get to learn how to detect different off flavors in your beer and then you um then they mix it up and at the end you do them blind to see if you can, you know, remember and um, identify the off flavors you just had, and they've opened that up to all of the local breweries. So I know like Swiftwater and Knucklehead and uh, Lost Borough and Rock, and I know Joe from the Tap Mallet's been through some of them. I mean, so they they've really been working to uh, to help local breweries because I think they understand that if if people view Rochester beer as good, it's good for them. Absolutely, and I think that's you know that's the the generous big brother or you know yeah. older cousin you want. In time. Yeah, and and. Some of the macro breweries haven't been like that. Yeah. You know, I mean, Bud's been buying people out. I call Bud, but, you know, ABN Bev has been buying people out. And, and then and putting really, up attack ads. Right. Exactly. Or, or you know, there's this insane battle for, for tap space. I mean, it's in Genesee's not like that, which is why, you know, you're going to go to Swiftwater. Swiftwater. Yeah. Swift Yard. Uh, Swift, <laughs> Swiftwater in the South Wedge. You know, they're going to have. They always have Genesee pounders that you can grab that you can drink, and yeah. a lot of the times you'll find a Genesee beer on draft there. And uh, you know, Stoneyard does the same thing, and, and Stoneyard's going to open that craft beer hall like right down the street from where we are right now, mm-hmm. um, at J- July sixteenth. Um, that sounds exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's right on Empire, right, right on the bay there. Oh, jeez, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean that that brand is expanding crazy. So, but they they're it's going to be all craft beer, but you're also going to be able to to. Jenny's always going to be a draft there. You're always going to be able to yeah. grab Jenny Pounders. So, I mean, pe- people have, you know, Jenny's embraced craft beer, and then craft beer has embraced Jenny locally. And and I remember when I was doing a different story, and they were just talking about the sales of Jenny locally, how they've improved. And it's and it, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, you know, craft beer nerds like myself, I mean, I grew up on Jenny Light. I mean, that's always going to be, always going to be my favorite beer, always. Mm. Uh, you know, people tell me I'm crazy because I probably am. <laughs> and but you see, you see, you see them sh- like I keep saying, shifting the narrative. You know, you you see them changing perceptions locally. You see, you see people, you know, not being afraid to order Genesee or or any of that. It's yeah. it's really cool to see, and I think it's worked out well for them. You know, because they're about to break ground on that thirty nine million dollar expansion or renovation. Well, it's expansion too, but so yeah, I mean that's that's going to become a just a almost a beer hub because I think that might be open for tours and that that would be really cool. Yeah, well, I think that's a great way to end it because I mean that's that's a great that's a great community story. Yes, it really is. And I think we both have great hopes for the Rochester beer community. We do going forward. Yeah, I mean, um, I want, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm I'm insanely excited. I just want I want to be able to tell good stories about good people and 
and I want the beer to be good as well, you know, because like I said previously, if the beer's crap, I just tend to ignore it. You know, you'll, yeah. if you've read me closely, you'll see that there's some breweries that I've written about um, right. just because I don't think they're making very good beer and I'm not going to, not going to bash them in print right. or online just because, you know, I think the, the cream's going to rise to the top and I think, you know, we might reach a point where we do reach saturation and you'll see some of these Sadly, you'll see some of these places fail just because, you know, they either try to ferment stuff too quickly or they, you know, they just, they're selling stuff that shouldn't be sold. Yeah. Well, let's, let's end it on the high note because yeah. it's, we, we are optimistic. There's a lot of good stuff right now and let's get our plugs in. So Will, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me online at democratandchronicle.com. Um, also follow along on Twitter. I am at willcleveland13. Uh, you can, my Facebook page is also Will Cleveland 13 and, uh, I'm pretty active on there. So drop me a line, say hello, and, uh, let's have a beer and, and talk. That's, awesome. That's all I want to do. So, and you can find me food about town on Facebook at Stromy on Twitter and Instagram. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. I mean, this is, I'm trying to do more and more cool stuff. Talk to more and more people around Rochester and, I had a great time getting to know you a little bit today, buddy. Yeah, beautiful. We're definitely going to share a beer in the future, no question. Sounds good, Will. Thanks yeah. for stopping by.